Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Gotta get my face bones in order. I like thinking of teeth as face bones. Totally face bones. I think you were the first person I ever heard say that. Um, that is actually full credit to Chris Thayer as a comic. Uh-huh. He, I can't think of the bit, but um, it was something about like, I better polish my teeth bones so people like me. <laughs> All Chris Thayer. Yeah. Great comic. I yeah. like just like that perfect joke is just like the one weird tweak. So you just see something totally differently. Yeah, exactly. Let me explain what comedy is. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Hey, Mary Jane. So what is a laugh and how does it work? We have a show coming up. How does does laughter work? I was just saying it out loud for myself. I wasn't trying to explain it to you. I'm high, okay? Yeah, let it all fall out the fucking brain to the hole. Yeah, out the mouth hole from the brain place. Yeah, I do sometimes think of that when I'm really, and I'm pretty high right now. Um, Like it's a bunch of marbles in my brain Mm -hmm. or like a gumball machine. Totally. That's pretty much my mind right now. I'm a gumball machine minded boy. (laughs) Yeah. And your thoughts are the gumballs? Yes. And your mouth is the place where the gumball comes out? Mm -hmm. Where do I put the quarter? Mm. Mm. (laughs) In your coin slot? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you put them back behind the ear? Yeah. Like, no. Do you remember, did you ever see that Saturday Night Live video, the coin slot video? No. It was Lindsay Lohan. You know the coin slot is, right? It's the top of the crack of the butt. Yeah. And it was a very funny video that Lindsay Lohan made with Amy Poehler where they were like, coin slot jeans, I think, was the product that they were selling. It was, yeah. That's a great bit. Yeah. Well, what up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Awesome. Welcome to Weed and Grove, everyone. This is a podcast about comedy. Cannabis. Culture. Cooking. Call each it out. And... More comedy. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Totally. <laughs> and Comfy Pop. Yep. Our fantastic guest this week. Uh, yeah, we've got a bunch to talk about because it's like... Yeah, the- can we just do the the plug at the top for Yeah. because I'm so excited? Is that what you were about to do? Well, I- Should I explain how promotion you- works? You explained to me how to... <laughs> yes. Please go ahead, though. So the way that you want to get people to come to a thing is if it's a really cool thing to come to. Yeah. And then you talk about it on your podcast. And then if you're in L.A., you come to the thing. Yeah. Or Oakland or San Francisco after. We're working on Bay Area and Sacramento dates in October. So look for those because we are doing a comedy mini tour fueled by the awesome cannabis brand, Pacific Stone. If you're looking at our YouTube right now, we've got a bunch of their awesome products. I have these fantastic pre-rolls. They gave us they hooked us up with so much swag and they are. Sponsoring this mini tour, and the first show is next week, July 27th, uh, here in L.A. at a place called Club TG in Atwater Village, and you can just check out our Instagram, and there will be a link to the show. Tickets are four twenty. All the money that we raise from the show will be donated to a charity called RIP Medical Debt, which is going to erase medical debt. Uh, Pacific Stone works with them. And so proceeds from the show are going to a great cause. We've got uh, our fantastic guest today is the grub aspect of the event. Makes delicious Chicago hot dogs. Michael Walker is a real G from like a long time ago. Yeah. I love this dude. He's a good VIB this week. It's so good. We get into it with him. So he's the uh, our guest this week and the grub component of our Weed and Grub live comedy show, the weed component being Pacific Stone. We're the comedy part. Yeah. And, well, uh, and we have a lineup. It's not just us being insufferable. No, it's not me t- being like, actually, I think a joke works like this and then tenting my hands. <laughs> what if we do that for our intro to the show? What? 
every single I part just... of the Pacific Stone Tour, I get out there and I say a joke and then you pop in with the microphone. Hi, I'm Mary Jane and I'm here to explain why Mike got that wrong and I'm going to make it less funny but more informative. <laughs> Everyone's smoking Pacific Stone like, yeah, what a bummer. Get her off the stage. And I'm like, but my name's Mary Jane. <laughs> they're like, get her out of here. <laughs> So it's not going to be that. No, it won't be. It's going to be a great time. We have a crazy awesome lineup, actually, that I'm so stoked about. And to find out who it is, you're going to have to fucking come to the show, probably. Yeah, if there's tickets left by the time this drops. That's right. It's probably going to sell out. It is going to sell out. Well, that's inevitable. Um, Really, really quick. I just want to say yeah. one more time. Link to tickets in the show description. If you don't live in L.A., but you know someone who should fuck with us and they happen to live in L.A., maybe share the link with them. Yeah. And also look for those dates coming out in uh, October in NorCal. And then from there, the only way is up. I feel like we should just be hopping all around the country doing Weed and Grub live events. Well, if it's called it's, Pacific you know... Stone, let's just hit up the whole Pacific Coast. Right. Right? Yep. All the way from the tip to the top to the bottom where this coin slot is. To the hizzy in the middle. What's the coin slot of the country? Uh, the coin slot of the country Texas? would probably be, yeah, it might be te- like the top of te- like North Texas. North right? Texas is the coin slot of America. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> Glad we got there. Yeah. Can we just talk about like your last week? You've been where? Do you want to hear all the places? I want to hear all the places you've been since I last saw you. Anchorage. Okay. Here's the, here's the tour dates. If we were to like do a little Indiana Jones plane oh, yeah. over my uh... recent tour. Yeah. In- I'd be Indiana scones. Love a scone. What? And my hat's a croissant. Not Indiana stones? Ah, shit. Damn it. <laughs> Missed an opportunity to make a stupid weed pun. Well, but now say it. I'll do. Um, so it'd be like a Indiana Jones plane going around the thing. Uh... Or I guess, no, who would I be? Not Indiana Jones. What? I'm totally lost I was track. setting you up to say <laughs> Indiana stones because it was your joke. Oh, but I already said it. Yeah, and it was funny. It was funnier then than it's going to be now. <laughs> it was funnier in my stoned rambling than it was with you giving me a perfect setup of me just whiffing. So come to the show, guys. <laughs> this is our hosting. <laughs> I'm so good at telling jokes, guys. It'll be. It's going to be really fun. Don't worry about it. It's not. The show is not. I will be there. I will be hosting. I might try and tell a funny story, but uh, Mike will be doing comedy <laughs> along with a lineup of professional comics. <laughs> <laughs> so I flew um, out of L.A. Up to Anchorage, Alaska. Had a great time. Great show. Great people. Um, And then flew from there directly to Monterey. Where I saw you. Where you saw me. And we went out into the middle of the Pacific Ocean with some sharks. Mm -hmm. And then immediately went from there. We drove back from Monterey to Los Angeles. And then I immediately got in a car and drove up to Bishop, California to perform. Which is in the Sierras, right? Which is in the Sierras. So it's like a five-hour drive. And then that night, we stayed overnight, woke up the next day, drove over to Mammoth and hung out at Mammoth Lakes, which I'll talk more about on another podcast. But um, the lake there is really interesting, fascinating, and cool. Mono Lake. And then immediately after that... Didn't stay in a hotel overnight. Instead, drove all the way back to Los Angeles. Uh, got caught in traffic because there was a terrible accident. I don't know how many people lived or died, but it was yeah. a bad accident. Uh, got back here last night. Um, this weekend, I leave for Sacramento, San Diego, Portland, and then Seattle. Come all the way back from Seattle and then hop on a plane to Scotland. I'm so tired. I'm also tired. For you. I'm tired. Okay. Well, let's get but to But my news. dreams are coming true. <laughs> so like, that's the thing, man. Yeah. I will never complain about my dreams coming true. And they are coming true in real time. And I'm keenly aware of this is everything I've ever wished for, whether it was a shooting star, a genie, a birthday candle. This has always been my wish. I've been putting out into the universe through all those totems. And now that it's really happening, I don't care how tired I am. This is exactly what I want to do with my life. So let's fucking go and ride it till the ends of the earth. 
Hell yes. Yeah. And you know what will get you through? Podcasting with me and weed and food. You're damn right. Oh, and the Pacific Stone, like to actually have a show in LA. What a goddamn blessing. So I'm you know. so stoked to be, uh, yeah, this is like I, you know, when I moved to LA, I was like, how am I going to dovetail my love for actually being in front of an audience with my life in cannabis? Mm -hmm. And this just feels like the perfect beginning of that dovetail really firming up. So hell yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that Indiana Stone joke going over you so really poorly afterwards. That up, Mike. What's the news this I'm week? I'm going to tell you a news story, our Grubla Gazette this week. Uh, let's just say it's brought to us by Packstone. Great. Um, it's from High Times, and it is a study that finds Australians support cannabis use over smoking tobacco. A new study by the Australian Institute of Health, or let me, a new study by the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare reports on perceptions and attitudes towards drug usage in the land down under. <laughs> I'm sorry to all our Australian That's friends. That's pretty good as far as my ear it hits. It was a fucking a, a wreck, but, um, and I know we do have friends in Australia. I love when we look at our stats and we're like, yeah, we have friends, friends down under. And we also have negative listens this yeah. week from Australia. <laughs> this week they're like unsubscribe. Uh, so anyway, that's basically it is that the this new study coming out of the Institute of Health and Welfare is analyzing 2019 data from a household survey. And it's shedding light on just how much progress Australia has made surrounding cannabis perception because historically Australia has been pretty anti-cannabis. And now people are... Um, saying 20% of respondents supported regular cannabis use, which is more than the 15%, which seems high, who support tobacco use. Hmm. I guess maybe they just support the right to like choose maybe. To, to use tobacco. I don't know. Um, that's, you know, basically like the attitudes are changing. I mean, they're changing around the world. It's like such an interesting global shift. And as you have places like Israel and Germany and Canada and Uruguay really, you know, showing that like you can legalize cannabis medicinally and for adult use and it like is good for the country it's good for the nation it's good for the economy yeah we'll see what happens here um australia's taking note that's really interesting it's interesting too if i think generationally about what generations smoke cigarettes and enjoy tobacco right. versus not i i think when i do go overseas i'll actually learn how big smoking is and how surprised i'm going to be that it is as big as it is right you know because here i feel like once once cigarettes were um, once you couldn't smoke inside, once there was no smoking sections, planes, all of those things, it seems like, you know, three generations later, people might vape, people might like hit a jewel, but the idea of like a pack of cigarettes has kind of phased its way out. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to go across the ocean and see um, what tobacco use is really like. Yeah. What does it look like in Edinburgh? What does it look like in Amsterdam? I'm pretty sure that, yeah, well, I guess I don't know. I guess when I visit you, we'll see. Yeah. What it's... do you think about the idea of Australia being a bit ahead of the curve on all of this? Because I will say, uh, as I ask you a question, then answer it before I ask you the question. <laughs> go for it. Uh, what do you really think about like I don't know if they're well, ahead of the curve. No, I feel no. like I've always heard it's like a place that, and again, um, I don't like to read. I just like to say shit. <laughs> uh -huh. um, I've always heard that it's like people were sent there as a prison. And so it's kind oh, of yeah. a hellacious, dangerous place to be. So the uh, idea of like weed being poo-pooed upon is kind of surprising. Uh, I don't know how those two relate exactly. You think that was because it started out as a penal colony that... What? Well, it's because like every time <laughs> I hear people talk about Australia and I've never been there and I would really like to go there, especially to do comedy. Mm -hmm. um, they always describe it like Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, no, that's and so, so I'm crazy. Like, You've I watched uh, Love on the Spectrum, right? I love Love on the Spectrum. You know that's set in Australia, right? No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. 
It is? Yes. That's Australia? Yes, it's the most like metropolitan technologically advanced beautiful like not mad max at all especially places i think like the the big cities melbourne and sydney and perth and i've never been either but i do have friends in melbourne and sydney and like i know that they're they're you know living like very um cultured rich lives and what country did you yell at me for for saying i don't think they have cities because i've never seen them australia ah okay so i still haven't learned I still haven't learned. I think there are a lot of things in Australia that could definitely fucking kill you. And like the, you know, the whole lore of like the outback, all that stuff does exist. It's real Mm -hmm. in reality, but also they have big cities with institutes of higher learning and all that stuff, you know, (laughs) but not, but they've historically been really anti-weed. And so now maybe you can, uh, maybe they'll ease that and you can go to Australia and do your comedy and smoke some Australian pot. I mean, truly, that would be amazing. Yeah. The idea of anywhere being super on board with weed and cigarettes kind of falling off. Yeah. I I get excited about that. You know, the first time I flew to Ireland, you could smoke on the plane. Really? Yeah. And I was seated in the non-smoking section. And I remember saying to my dad, I was like, what, what is that? Like the whole, this is all a smoking section. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was really funny. And they served me a full Irish breakfast. I'll never forget that. With like rashers, which is bacon and sausage and blood pudding and eggs and fried tomatoes and beans as an airplane. And the flight was like 45 minutes because I was flying from London. That's amazing. Yeah. I've never had blood. Uh, blood, blood pudding. Blood pudding. Mm-hmm. It, it looks really delicious. Honestly, it's it's like the concept of it sounds really pretty gross, but it's I love it. It's delicious. Yeah. It's I also l- like marrow. I mean, I've always liked those sort of like parts of creatures Ooh, tangent side note yeah um but again like it's the end of the day we're recording an intro i'm stoned yeah and fried <laughs> we're rambly as hell um there is a new sushi restaurant that just won a michelin star oh. and they take bone marrow and they melt <gasps> the bone marrow over one of the uh, omakasa dishes of sushi and drips of bone marrow go over that uh raw fish and then they serve it and i can't think of a more delectable delicious thing that i want to try so badly than that whoa well yeah. that perfectly sets up our vib this week our very important bud michael walker yeah in charge of making some of the most delicious fucking food that you will have he's a LA. meat king he's a meat king michael walker the meat king <laughs> i'm sure that's how he wants to be known yeah <laughs> um we've known michael for well before we do let's do buds oh yeah fuck you want to do buds of the yeah, week real quick? Yeah, I was all loosey-goosey and getting into talking about Michael, because well, that was a good setup with the bone marrow. He's still the meat Come king, on. whether we do it now or in two minutes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, my butt of the week this week is Allison, my friend Allison in Chicago. Ali Sue Gerlach is her IG handle. She's in charge of the Chicago Loop Alliance, which is throwing an amazing festival this summer called Sundays on State. They shut uh, down a huge section of State Street for a whole day, four times this summer. The first one will have been on July 24th, uh, or will be. I guess this is coming up before that. So it'll be this Sunday, July 24th, and then there are three more dates in September. And Allison and I have known each other for just a really long time, uh, like running around at Burning Man together and stuff and just being lunatics. And to watch her function as this, like, mad event producer at this, like, crazy high fucking level, now having known her for so many years. Like, she's running this shit, and it's so cool. And she's just... Funny and cool and kind and also has the best legs uh, I've ever seen in a pair of shorts. She got good gams? She got good gams. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My butt of the week this week is ak.rena.907 Sharina. Yo, I know that like I've been in cars, planes, boats, weird beds, crumped, crampled, crooked. My whole body's in shambles. 
and she gave me a free massage in Anchorage, Alaska mm. before my 710 show. Shout out Sharina forever. She gave me the compliment of having the most knots in my back of anyone she's ever seen. Holy shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I am literally sitting up for this episode today because of her. So please, if you are ever in Anchorage, go to her, get a massage. She's a Capricorn queen and follow her at ak.rena.907. She changed my fucking life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Your face bones do look more relaxed. When I walked out of there, I straight up was taller. Mm -hmm. And that is an undeniable fact. I believe she, it. she was like, you look taller. I was like, I straight up feel taller. Like yeah. my spine lined up like a Jenga tower instead of a baby shrimp. <laughs> nice. Yeah. From also, can I say before we get to Michael Walker, oh, yeah. we because the audio was corrupted from this intro, so we're re-recording it. Oh, right. Just as loose and all over the place. Oh, yeah. As rambly as fuck. I mean, this is... <laughs> I thought we were going to like dial it in, no. keep it tight. No. It is what it wants to be. It's absolutely weed and grub. Loosey goosey, moosey, juicy. <laughs> so Michael Walker, the meat king. The meat king. We've the all known each other king. for such a while, like a good while now because we've watched him thrive as a fucking podcaster with his amazing podcast, Tender Friends with Eric Wilson. We've watched him thrive as a video content creator. He did us solid, made us some hilarious videos that we should repost when this airs actually because he captured us so high making a You want to re cobbler. repost cobbler? We should repost cobbler because I am nonverbal and it's hilarious. Yeah, um, don't watch it for the content. Watch it for Mary Jane's arm slowly becoming T-Rex. I just stand like a T-Rex the whole time and I drink like 10 glasses of water. <laughs> <laughs> Michael made those videos. <laughs> and since then, he's during the pandemic, he created this entire fucking business that's just thriving. And he's good. Like we said, he'll, he'll be at our uh, show. So come through and check him out there. Also, just follow him on Instagram to see where he's going to pop up. And he's at Smorgasburg mm -hmm. every Sunday. Mm -hmm. I said that word because I couldn't remember how to say Smorgasburg. Mm -hmm. And uh, lastly, he sent us a bunch of pictures for the dishes he's making for it. Oh. And uh, not only if you get a ticket, do you get a free food item from Comfy Pup Michael Walker, but also he's making some custom dishes for that show. And then they will never be seen again, like limited edition crispy bites. He named one after Archie Moo. Did he really? Yep. Oh, what a meat king. What a meat king. <laughs> Stand up meat king. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> our VIB this week. Without further ado, here's our interview with Michael Walker. So you miss comedy. Yeah, I do. I get that. I think that's where we met, right? That is where we met. We met at UCB. Yeah. Doing improv. I didn't know this. And yeah. I feel like I've known you since I moved to LA and I had no idea really? that you guys met at UCB. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, we met in 301. Wow. Right? Keep going. I don't remember anything. It was, uh, my brain, it was either 201 or 301. smooth at this point. I mean, we didn't. That's the thing is it's like, I don't think we talked. We spoke to each other in class or anything. It was was it sketch things. or improv? Improv. I never did sketch. Oh, I didn't enjoy anything in improv because I thought I was better than everyone. And so I didn't have a good time. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not the best experience. Like class. I can't believe you just said that out loud. It's just how I was at that time. It got in my own way. Look, it fucked. It Seriously? didn't help me at all. Yeah. If you wow. can recognize it and fix the patterns, I'm not like I'm not mad at it. I'm just like I'm actually kind of impressed that you were saying it. Out right. Loud. I'm not yeah, shocked. Yeah, I'm like, right. oh my it's god, like a... I can't believe it. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. That's no, I walked in there with my like dick tap in my knee, and it wasn't appropriate. Yeah, but it, <laughs> not that it's a good thing. But like, it's not like you were the only one. 
Right. Like it's like 80% of the people there and that's why it's such a bad experience a lot of the time. A lot of dick swinging going on. A lot of dick swinging. Yeah, yeah. And then that's also why I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not in the game anymore. (laughs) I don't give a shit. Take my dick and go home. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm going to pack it in. (laughs) Yeah, I, I went, you know, I would go home from class and be like stressed out like because I didn't, like I'd be like, oh man, I didn't make any friends. Ugh. Like, you know, it's just like that's not an experience you want to have. Good, no, it's stupid. So, Weird. yeah, the thing was that you is that you did meet. Like, I think both of us did end up having great experiences there. It's just like, not what you, you met. Wa- you met your people there, right? Of course, yeah. yeah it's just not nice. what you wrote down on paper. One hundred percent, and it's like that's the same. Like I was in a frat in college, and it's like I know <gasps> huge, huge realizations about you. Today. Same, same nightmare though. It's like it. I hated it, and then eventually left in the middle of it. And like I think I deactivated. I studied abroad, and then when I came back, I kind of just never went back. You had to leave the country to get out of yeah. the frat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds but, worse than a gym membership. Yeah, right. Oh my yeah. god, seriously. But I also, you know, I I met like my three best friends in college there, and we all like kind of left together. So it's like, yeah. On one hand, it's like you know, fuck that experience. That right. whole shit was a nightmare. But then at the same time, it's like, a, you can't call it a nightmare because there was a ton of great shit. And then b, like, yeah, I met my best friends there. You what? know, and I would have never met them had I not done that ever. So what college? Like, what fraternity? Uh, Indiana University, Phi Kappa Sigma, also known as Skulls. They no longer exist there. Another sexual assault scandal. I think. Yeah. Whoa. Of course, like yeah. I mean, no, no. Every fraternity should be. I have to say, of be. course, it's like that's like a bad stereotype, but it's. I think it's more of like, of course, it's like, how else is a frat gonna be removed from campus? Right. There are heroes, yeah. you know, like especially at a Indiana University, a Big Ten University. Yeah. Like they oh, can, dude, they can Mizzou, do no wrong. It's anywhere just like, in the Midwest. I love. Oh, they're so. No, but you guys, they raise so much money for Riley Children's Hospital. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. They do such a good job. And through their parties where things. they roofie everyone and it's get away with it. It's not just through their parties. Raised... It's through like ridiculous like uh, manipulation, bullshit, like hierarchy, like uh, status clicks inside of these stupid like. And once you're a fraternity member, you are donating for life to whatever those causes are. Well, they right? ask you to. I'm right. not. Right. I didn't. I, I might still get letters from them. Man, I don't want to talk about the frat that much, but the best <laughs> the best like story is that there was a hazing scandal um, after I had gotten back from being abroad and I was still an active member. And they said that they're bringing everybody from nationals down and they're we had to conduct literal consultant interviews like in office space where you sit down with like the bobs and they mm-hmm. interview you <laughs> and they like they're trying to weed out the shitty people because there was like hazing and like all these other things and nationals was like oh we can't have that not that it's not happening at every single other one of our chapters but everybody went in in suits because they're little frat boys and they're like this is so important the house is so important to us and they had all these interviews and two of my best friends showed up and they took it really seriously and because they didn't want to get kicked out and uh i showed up in a cutoff in cutoff jeans like jorts which at the time was controversial. I guess it still is. I, yeah, I think even today. But I had like I had like cut off my own. I had a Ramones shirt that I had cut into a tank top because I was like a little punk kid then too. Seriously, I had cut it into a tank top, and but it was like done so poorly that it like it looked. It, you couldn't even tell it was a tank top. You'd be like, "What is he wearing?" Did you have a safety pin anywhere on your body? No, but I did have a mohawk, oh, and it Jesus. was not up. 
<laughs> so it was like, and I think I probably I may have had blue hair at that point. I, anyway, and I conducted awesome. the interview like really inappropriately and just like did not pay attention. My two best friends got kicked out and I did not. What? They, they I don't know. They, like nothing happened. Right, I was like, because I was like, I didn't want to have to de do the deactivation email and everything and go through with it. And I was like, great, they're in here. I'm just going to, you know, be a little rude boy. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, I, I don't know. They must have loved it. They love you. People because they, love my you. two best friends were like, no, like we like seriously, like we could not have tried harder and had better interviews, like more professional interviews. Let this be a lesson about trying hard. Yeah. <laughs> don't exactly. do it. <laughs> exactly. Don't do it. You take one thing away from our lives. Yeah. Don't try hard. And I didn't even learn that from that. I was, you know what I mean? I should have just been like, yeah, like that should have been the lesson basically. But yeah. instead I was just like, why don't they want to kick me out? Like I was like upset about it. Maybe the other lesson is be yourself and follow your heart. That's be, true. That, that is actually the lesson. Yeah, that is. Absolutely. That's the nugget. That's probably why they're like, listen, this, this little loser isn't afraid to like. You're afraid of nothing. Right. And so they were afraid of you. Yeah. That's Love fucking it. cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Is that why you started Comfy Pop? Was because you wanted to follow your heart? No. Nah. Good segue. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't know. Like explaining Comfy Pup is difficult because in order to explain Comfy Pup, like it's essentially like I have to explain a mini life story because it's not what I do. That's like, what we're here for. I, right. Yeah. I'm on a podcast. So oh, I dude, that, I got to take up another 26 minutes. So any stories you Excellent. got. <laughs> right. All right. Hold on. Uh, let me set the timer now. Yeah. I mean. Uh, no, I don't know. My parents always love cooking and like i always like cooking but it's not something that i ever did like professionally but mm. like we would i would cook like i think i was like making dinner at my house with my mom like when i was like 12 or 11 like making like risotto and shit yeah pre pre comfy pup I, we came over to your place one night to record your podcast and uh, you were just making congee oh yeah randomly and i was like yeah who does that That's i did amazing. that yeah i did great. it's a big like it's a big like stress outlet depression thing to like go and just like cook like yesterday I, i've been freaking out recently because i'm freelance and i don't have a job right now and like you know you know I those you. you know those periods yep um so <laughs> i just made like banh mi from scratch yesterday <laughs> and like just because i was like well what else would you do and my girlfriend's like i don't know look for a job yeah and i'm like no i have to You're marinate like, this pork i could make you a sandwich right exactly you go. like oh did you not want to eat this that's cool like <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so cooking i just like have always been doing it and then I went to school for animation at Indiana University, which was called the telecommunications department at the time, which is a solid tip that like they probably don't really know much about film and television because like who we, calls it telecommunications? Like hand drawn it? What kind of animation were you So studying? no, that's the problem is like I was definitely interested in that, but it's like animation is like something I thought was cool, I guess. And, you know, genu genuinely really liked, like, I, I only watched animated content when I was in college. I was very like, no, I'll only watch this. Um but I didn't know anything about it or how to do it. And, you know, you study animation at IU and I learned a shit ton of graphics and a shit ton of, you know, After Effects and Photoshop, um, which is like really comes in handy with what I do now. Like all of like the comfy pup designs and the animation. Yeah. Like everything we do is made in house by me, which is great. But that's not what I wanted. But also 18 in the middle of in the Midwest and like my parents didn't know anything about that like i have no guidance and the tele the telecom department can't give you any guidance because they're teachers at the telecom department at indiana university like they didn't do that right i, I think maybe one of my teachers had lived in hollywood for a minute but that's it so it's like you don't get adequately prepared for 
the actual real world in the industry to like move to Los Angeles, which is fine because it's like that's not what everyone is going to study telecom for. But there was a big group of people studying telecom uh, that moved out here with absolutely nothing. Like I, I was like, oh, shit. Like my first job as a PA, I was like, holy shit. Like I studied four years for this and I didn't learn anything for this. like i was like oh my god and like just like they should be training you on 12 hour days and they should be training you on how uh no one cares about you if you didn't go to cal arts if you want to be an animator and like <laughs> shit like that like it's just like that's a tough realization how to right? get an internship how to use a walkie really anything practical Any, how to do your taxes as a freelancer exactly i mean my god it's insane we we learned nothing i learned how to we, i just remember like literally we did a week on coiling cables and it's just like, whoa, that's important. But like, that is such a <laughs> like the physical production is what they taught us. And it was like tw uh, 20 years outdated. So it's like, whatever. But so, you know, I moved here and I didn't know what I was doing. And I was an assistant at a company for three years, which is way too long to be an assistant at one company. But I just kind of sat there. And I think that that's when Tender Friends started. And that's when we met. I was doing a lot of improv. Um, but it was cool because. Or, I mean, it's not cool. It was bad because I wasn't progressing anywhere in my life. Like Tender Friends. I just got to say Tender Friends, the hit uh, Chicken Tender podcast. Yeah. Yes. So, like, that was, like, probably the first thing I did that was, like, I'm going to start making my own shit mm -hmm. and not be an assistant anymore. And then I met Eric and we started the podcast and we had been doing that for a while. And at the same time, concurrently going through improv, we'd probably met around the exact same time. Mm -hmm. I think Tender Friends started probably around the same time we met. And then I think you you guys were probably early on one of the I mean you guys were like the first guest that we didn't really know that came on and we were like nervous we were like oh, I don't know them Same. yeah I was super nervous yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah. um but I'd seen you perform a bunch by then and so I knew that you were funny and cool sure and so by the time we were on your podcast as guests I was like oh I I want them to like yeah that's exactly yeah. how like, we felt but too, you're like yeah. but you're you're funny and you have great stage presence so I ain't gonna sweat it I know it'll be fun yeah yeah totally. Yeah. It was great, though. It was, it was so much fun. We had the best time. And then, like, from there, we, you know, I, that was really fun, but I had to figure out my, like, personal life and career, so I left there and got a job at Tastemade, which was not what I wanted to do at the time, because I still wanted to be in animation. I was, like, getting interviews everywhere. Like, I probably interviewed for Rick and Morty, like, three times. Like, I... I interviewed for like countless shows and movies and I didn't get a single job. Oh, um, that's frustrating. Yeah. And they went, they would go well, like yeah. they would go really well, but I wouldn't, I, you I know what it was. No blue Mohawk. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> nah, I think, I don't it was know. The jorts. They are, it's all internal <laughs> hires. It's all, I was brought in oh. to fulfill some sort of animation is like the tiniest yeah. of tiny worlds. But also, you know, looking back on it, I wouldn't hire me either. Oh. I don't know anything. They were like, where did, what did you, I, I remember interviewing for, I think, Disenchantment, which was like the Futurama, like mm -hmm. what came out. And I remember them asking me what I wanted to do. And like the proper answer, he said like, are you interested in post? And I said, and the proper answer would be like, yeah, I'm a little interested. I don't really know much about it, but like, it seems interesting. And I think I looked him in the face and was like, I just want to animate. <laughs> yep. What the I only fuck play the does that mean? Part. Yeah. <laughs> so he was probably just like, nah, man, you got to get out of here. And, but even like, what does that mean? Like, even if you're like the character designer, you're in charge of the way it looks. It's like you you're not just like animating the whole show. <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah. But, but I was like, nah, man, I just want to be an anim I just want to animate it. And then they never call me back. Can I t tell a quick personal anecdote? When I was in grade five or six and they were casting the Christmas play, um, 
I told them that I only would be in it if I could play the like it was it's called small one and it was about the donkey that carried um married yeah wherever yeah. it was Bethlehem I guess and um like all the main roles were gone and I like put my hand up and I was like excuse me you overlooked me and they were like <laughs> <laughs> and there was only one speaking role left and they didn't give it to me I think I ended up playing a sheep but how did you feel though like from then on like did that that was kind of a it was a good young age yeah, to learn that exactly. lesson. I think I was like 10 and exactly. I was like, oh, huh, that did go well. Okay. <laughs> People never learn those lessons. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. I'll never forget small one casting. <laughs> Hard day. <laughs> um, But yeah, I, I so when I joined, when I got a job at Tastemade, it was weird. And I was a coordinator there and doing production, like physical production there. And then I, I was there for like three years. And then over those three years... I worked from coordinator to eventually producer there because that's like kind of at that time over those three years, I kind of decided like, oh, this is my career. I'll be a producer. This is what I'm going to do. My girlfriend's a producer um, in very, very different sense. She does like long form reality TV and I was like straight digital, like only digital companies. Hey, you're going to like restaurants and filming them cook the yeah. delicious Michelin starred food and that's like, posting it. That's like I got hired to do production, but then also like I just made a lot of friends at Tastemade because if you put me at a table, I'll probably make friends with the people there. And they, they like started putting me on like social media teams and stuff that like, mm -hmm. I just like, because I was just making friends with people, they'd be like, do you want to shoot that? They'd have an assignment at a cool restaurant. And I would be like, that sounds cool. And what was like, that egg thing? It was like gold fleck egg. Oh, the caviar one. Caviar one. Yeah. That was a crazy day, which like makes me sound snobby that I, <laughs> that I hated it. But it was I had to go to somewhere in Beverly Hills. I wish I remembered where. And like the dude gave me a uh, it was like a coddled egg or something. But he put like an insane amount of caviar on top and then like sh gold shavings or whatever. And I like shot it. So I would go and just like shoot the Instagram stuff and then eat it on camera. And I was like, that's good. It was a lot of caviar and it was really briny. And I was like, that's great. I'm caviared out. And I think it was my first time having caviar like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, great caviar it out and they brought me back down and he made uh he fucking made a baked potato and he cut it open and he filled it with like creme fraiche <laughs> creme fraiche and i was like sick sick this is great i'm very full you just made me eat like a uh a, a egg and then at that same time i had to eat lobster uh what's the thought with the hollandaise shit yeah. oh yeah lobster benedict but then they put the same amount of caviar on that so i'd eat that <laughs> He took me down, he cut open the baked potato and fills it with the cream fresh and then fucking takes an entire thing of caviar, like the entire big tin of caviar and just plops it right in there. Oof. And then they're like, go ahead and shoot it. And I was like, great, I'll take it outside and I'll shoot it. And I was shooting it outside and everything. And it's great. And I'm thinking like, I can't eat any of this. <laughs> But it's like a $400 potato, just like chilling. <laughs> and they like put the gold shavings on it. And I'm like, I can't have any of this. And I had to shoot like an eating shot. So I, I ate it. And then I look over and the entire back house is standing just watching me, in oh. including like the super fancy French chef that they had. He, the reason they were doing it is because they flew him in from France. Oh, my God. Uh, for like a residency. And he's just standing there staring at me. And like, I can't be like, hey, man, I don't want this. <laughs> So I ate the whole fucking potato in front of them. Oh my god! And then I like I think I went home and threw up. <laughs> I mean I ate like two full tins of caviar in under an hour. That sounds like Scarface kind of situation. It's ridiculous. Like the piles of cocaine. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but I do miss that stuff. That was fun. But like mm. that wasn't even my job. Like I said, like it was like they were. That was where added perks because I had 
friends in other departments and they'd be like, yeah, you, you seem like you'd be good at this. You want to do it? And I would, and I did, which was cool. And then, I mean, in that exact same note, I made a lot of friends with the culinary teams. Um, and then at the same time, my mentor there, his name was Michael, uh, shout out Michael Gora. He's the best. He used to get me involved in all. So they would cater the whole office. And there would be like a hundred people, not often, but like Thanksgiving, we would throw a massive Thanksgiving dinner. Like one day, Michael Gora decided he wanted to do a massive pancake breakfast to give back for something that we had done recently, like Oof. as a company. Uh, but the thing is, like with Tastemade, a lot of the time, it's just like, we're going to do this, but like we're doing it in house. Like we don't, we're not going to hire somebody to come do pancakes and all that stuff. So Michael was like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it ourselves. And like, I was like his little right hand. So he would teach me how to make pancakes for 200 people like at once. Um, and I would do, I think one Thanksgiving, I, I alone cooked like six or seven turkeys and then we like carved them and served the whole office. Like we had a massive Thanksgiving dinner. I think we did like five or six of those. And um, I fucking loved it. Like I was like, this is sick. Like, I don't want to be where I don't want to. Cause at the same time I was like doing paperwork and like making budget trackers for different shows and stuff. And I, I was like, this sucks. Like, I don't ever want to do this. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to do this. W was this around the time when you were making that giant chicken? So tender? that it led into that. <laughs> so I was doing that stuff. And uh, my friend Lawrence, who does comedy, did like a spec show called Young, Broken, Bougie, where it was like he does a lot of mixed stuff where he'll do a show. But it also ties in with like a sketch series. So he... He shot it like it was like a spec show to pitch to networks. And uh, he filled like this church in, I think, Pico Union. Like he filled it. He had like a show in there. It was really sick. He had this cool thing on the outside. And he's like, as part of the show, it's really important to me that I have the world's largest chicken nugget. And um, at the same time, it was I was in Tender Friends. Yeah. And like he had already dropped like the the promo for the show that said there was going to be the largest world's largest chicken nugget there and oh. he had no like he didn't even put any thought into how he was going to do it like he just said that i was going to be there and he texted me and was like uh he texted me and was like you're you do tender friends you eat all the chicken tender places and you have good like rapport with all the places do you think there's going to be anywhere that would make me the world's largest chicken nugget and i was just i just was like no like <laughs> absolutely not every one of those places hates us like they and it's not even if they don't hate us they don't give a shit and it's like Lawrence, do you understand like the world's largest chicken nugget? Like right now, I think it was 56 pounds. At that time, it was like 56 pounds. I was like, that's like, this is like a huge undertaking. No one's going to do that for you. Um, and then he was like, he was bummed. And then I, that was like the first time I was ever like, oh, I'll do that though. Cause like I had, I was friends with all the culinary people and I was doing all those things. And I had seen people just like doing crazy shit at Tastemade. And it's like, they didn't, it sounds bad, but it's like it's kind of true. Like they didn't know what they were doing. The whole thing is that you just like figured out how to do a improv, lot of it. baby. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, man, I can do it if you pay for all of the materials because it's going to be about you know seventy pounds of ground chicken, and it's like, where am I going to get that? And like they didn't pay me at all, but I was like, if you can source all of it, if you can get it all in my house, I'll make it for you. So like a week later, they found a distributor to send seventy pounds of ground chicken to my house and uh i had my friend duncan come over who like didn't know you know he's just like my friend we bought a bunch of big buckets from uh home depot and we mixed it like i bought panko and see like it was fully like it literally was, I was like gonna say did you season the chicken? Oh, like, it was like a one-to-one -one recipe like i took awesome. a recipe for chicken nuggets and i blew it up to make 
to a 70 pound nugget and <laughs> it was totally edible we cooked it in my home uh my home oven it r- ruined it yeah, uh, yeah. and then <laughs> It was so cool. I have so Not much. A... I have so much video content and pictures from from that. Send and us it, for this when we. Drop I will. It's never seen the light of day. I always wanted to edit something together, like because it's. I have enough for like a really solid like three to five minute piece on it. But I yeah, I, I just haven't gotten around to like doing it. But we have like so much insane content from it. But yeah, we did it in my home, and then it looked great. But they refused to find us somewhere to keep it. Okay, so the whole thing is that he wanted it to be the Guinness one. It did not clear Guinness because Guinness says it needs to be eaten. They would not give me a walk-in clo- or a walk-in freezer or refrigerator space anywhere to store it, and it had to sit in my refrigerator for three to four days. Which I was like, "This is not safe. This is a home refrigerator." It literally was the only thing that fit in my refrigerator. <laughs> we had to take everything out. Like when you go to check the fridge, stoned at night, and you open it, and you're like, "Oh yeah, chicken oh, right? nugget." Oh, yeah, I would, yeah, that's like I would be like, "Hell yeah, that's right." Scrooge McDuck on in. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, and then we took it to the church, and we had to refire it in the church oven, and then the church oven lit on fire um, in the middle of a service. Oh, my God. It was sick. Wow. So, so yeah, we nailed could it. Eat it. Nobody but could eat it. You uh, couldn't eat it. But we weighed that shit, and we broke the record by, like, five pounds. That's so awesome. It looked beautiful. I'll send you guys the pictures. It looked like a real nugget. Like, it was, it was, like, the one, it was like the proudest I had been up to that moment. And then uh, didn't do anything for a couple months, and then... The pandemic started, and then I got let go from Tastemade. Yeah, which was sick because I fucking hated it. Like I love, you know, great experience. A lot of the shit this is great. Can't, but also I learned that I don't like that job. It was the right time. I don't want to do this, but like it was really scary at that point in my life because it's like this is what I do. Right? What else do I do? Comedy, like, what am I gonna get paid for this shit? You know. And then it's like also, yeah, it's like how do you? I didn't have the the space in my life to grind on it to even do to even like make 100%. something so i was just like what the fuck am i gonna do and uh yeah i got let go and then kind of started thinking like it, the last like year of taste made i thought a lot of like i want to be in the culinary sphere doing the culinary stuff on camera um because i had friends like i had a friend who was a assistant editor there and she switched over and i was like damn that's cool mm-hmm. like and all she had to do was ask um, of course, I would ask. It's a totally different department for me, so I would ask, and they go, "No, we like you where you're at." And I would be like, "Sick." Right. So then when I got let go, I was like, "Great, this is my chance. I'm going to do this." Um, but the pandemic was happening; there were no shoots and everything. But at that same time, there was a um, the protests and like civil unrest was happening. And but COVID, I was terrified of going out, and my girlfriend and all of our friends were going to all these protests. But I was like, like shaking scared of like covid so i started cooking stuff and sending them with it like so i would make like peanut butter and jellies and like uh bean burritos and stuff and i would like send them with it to feed the protesters to feed the protesters and i would like i put like a little tag on it that said food for protest la and it had like our instagram and so they started handing it out there and it just like got in the hands of like the right people that started dming us and being stoked about it and like it went from me sending like my girlfriend with like 20 burritos because because it was like I can do this for my kitchen. Michael Gora taught me how to make pancakes like I can yeah. do this like I can. Yep. And at, at the start, it was only like 20 burritos and like 10 sandwiches. But then I would get people DMing me and being like, let me do it. So I would then it would be 40 burritos and 20 sandwiches because my girlfriend would take 10 and then, and then another group would take. And then I would be like loading people up with it. And then it got to the point where like it was groups of people and I would be like 50 burritos and like. 50 sandwiches it's a lot and it's great yeah it was sick 
it was crazy. It was like the response was like so cool. And we we're getting like donation money. So at first it was like I was just paying for all of it. And like it's like black beans, onion, peanut butter. It's like cheap. Mm-hmm. So I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll load as much as I can physically. I'm, I'm physically able to into this. But like by like the third week we were getting, like I think by the third week we had like $2,000. Like people were just donating from the from our Instagram handle. Like they would like find us on Instagram and then donate money. So I could just like keep buying shit. So I did. And I think we ended by sending like 3,000 meals out or something in like two months or something. It was crazy. And then once the protests stopped happening, we started stocking community fridges and we just like did it until all the money was gone. And then the money was gone. And then I still didn't have a job. And things started to open back up. I was like, oh, shit. Like, what am I going to do? And then I started getting some culinary assistant jobs. But it's in the same situation I'm in now. It's like, even if you're, like, good at your job, like, it's still, it's so hard to find freelance work sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would just sit there and do nothing all day. And then I started making hot dogs and Italian beef because we have Portillo's out here, which is, like, chicago comfort food but i didn't want to drive down to buena park because i was going down like once a week because like there was nothing else to do and i just wanted italian beef um you you were going to portillo's yeah i go know ahead. go ahead mary <laughs> sorry Jane. I've, I've never had portillo's that's fine i've been called out for it i have to say sorry. i have to say the time is over oh um, well because i can come and eat your food that but also they they sold like three or four years ago. Oh. And the quality is declining like significantly. You're getting less on the bun. Like it's just like it sucks. It, it doesn't suck. I'm still going to eat the shit out of it. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just not the same. It's not a home it. restaurant anymore. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not. It's yeah. So that's a bummer. But I was going down there all the time. Um, And then I don't even remember who somebody was like, you know, you should just sell it here. I mean, I think it was probably Ellen. Yeah. She's like, you should just sell it. And I was like, I couldn't do that. Like, why would I do that? Like, I got to find a job. Not that like it was ever going to be like, this will be your job because it's like that's an insane. But something that she, your girlfriend, Ellen, um, recognized that you love this. You yeah. Keep yeah. going down there. And so she's like, well, I can support. Yeah. How, she's like, it makes sense. She's like, you've always you wanted like to it. do this. It's like, I've always known that maybe one day I'll sell food somehow. I don't yeah. know how if it's going to be a truck or something, but like. So whatever. So we started doing it. Like, I I think the hardest thing was that I had to go to my parents and be like, hey, like, this is what I'm going to do now. Like, I'm not I know that like because they've they've always been super supportive of what I wanted to do always. But it's not like they necessarily understand. Like, they don't even understand production and all that stuff. They have no idea. I will say Jeff uh, Bezos started Amazon by borrowing three hundred thousand dollars from his parents to then sit in his garage and sell books. Right. So you know the fact oh, that yeah. your parents were like, "You want to make food and create comfy pup for a living," and they were like, "Go for it." They That's, were they were skeptical. Huge. They were like, mm, "I don't know." And then they were they did like the you know, "Well, let us discuss and we'll call you back." And then they like called me back and they're like, "All right, wow, we'll, we'll help you out." They helped me buy the cart and everything and get everything started up. Um, I think like at the same time, you know, like with tender friends, we had met Eric Greenspan and I was like, yo, I, you know, can you help me? I wanted to, I was trying to stage really what it was is I was trying to stage anywhere I possibly could. I hit up every single chef contact that I had ever made from Tastemade and tried to stage for them. That's kind of really what the impetus was for starting. I, I think Greenspan was like, you should hit up uh, Barbandini because they host pop ups. That's that's what it was. Greenspan was like, you should hit up Barbandini because they host pop ups. I can't have a stage right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I just want to interrupt real quick to add context that Chef Greenspan is he's been on like Iron Chef America. Mm-hmm. He's he's world renowned. He's the man. He's yeah. the fucking man. And yeah. I just wanted to add a little context to that because his grilled cheese is amazing. We his, had yeah. it. Oh my gosh, yeah, we so had good. it at the Super Bowl party. It was crazy. Oh, you, like yeah, he's legit. So he used to have the grilled cheese restaurant. Yeah, and it was sick, but it's gone. And uh, also for anyone listening and me who doesn't know what staging is, what is that? Oh, mean to it's stage? interning. It's like kitchen interning. Okay. I don't even know if you get paid. You might get paid now, like a little bit. I think now you have to. You have by to. Because like okay. it's like being an intern. It's an intern. You're an intern. Got it. And it's where an you pr- learn an apprentice, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like clear, like you know, you can take in a stage that knows things, but it's also like clear that I don't know any. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It's an understanding as I'm here to learn. You might be sweeping the floor and just watching. Totally. Right. And I was down and I hit up a ton of places and just it was at the height of the pandemic. So everywhere was like, we would love to have you, but we just it's too dangerous. And I was like, great. So he told me to hit up Barbandini. I hit up Barbandini and I was like, I heard you guys throw pop ups. I'd love to stage for you. (laughs) And they were like, oh, fuck does that? Like, no. (laughs) What is stage? We host pop ups. (laughs) Do you have a pop up? We're a bar. That's literally they're like, you can have a pop up here. And I was like, oh, no, I don't have a pop-up. Can I can I stash for your pop-ups? Oh, <laughs> like I wow. said it like again or something. And they were like, no. No, 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 no. You, ha- you have to, like, you can have a pop-up here. Do you want to have a pop-up here, buddy? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So skip ahead to being your own boss? I was yeah. like, yeah, I want to have a pop-up. Yeah. And uh, yeah. They, so then that's that's like literally they were like, listen, the spot's open for you. Wow. You come, You buy a cart, come do a pop-up, or don't. But that's about it. And then that's when I was like, all right, I got to get a cart. So I hit my parents and I was like, I need you to help me get a cart. They helped me get a cart. And then like, I think like three weeks later, we had the first pop up with Barbandini. We came through. Yep. You guys came through. You guys came through friends and family day. Yes. Yes. That was that we, was like we maybe... even hopped on the phone and asked and I pitched a bunch of shit. And you were like, absolutely not. Really? <laughs> yep. Oh, wait. <laughs> Somebody like menu was, items. Yeah. yeah what did oh. you pitch? Because um, I'm probably I'll do it now. Uh, so, uh, well, I want to get into your menu and your food in a second. Yeah. But like, I think Barbandini sold out, right? Your first one. Yeah, but that's like your Improv 101 show. You got a packed ass audience, fuck yeah. all friends and family, and then your 201, it's like crickets, and you're mm. like, what the hell? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, you have to bring in people who don't actually just like yeah live with you. First pop up, we sold out. Second pop up, we did all right. Third pop up, one person came. Whoa. Um, which was tough. That's devastating. But that's yeah. the only time that's ever happened. Um And it was still a pandemic. It was still a pandemic. Uh Barbandini, you know, it's not the greatest spot. You're in the back. It's a great spot, but you're in the back. So it's like unless you're going to Barbandini, no one knows you're there. Yeah, you have unless to know you promote you, you know what I mean? And at that mm-hmm. time we had like fifty followers, like nobody knew we were there. Right. Like, that's also the Brian Regan story. If you all know that stand-up comedian, I love Brian Regan. He the first time he did an open mic ever, he describes it as he just blacked out and doesn't <laughs> remember what happened, but he destroyed. And so they invited him back because they were like, "Who is this yeah, magical yeah. kid?" Crickets, yeah. just absolutely bombed. And they were like, "Ah, oh, you know, whatever." Comes back the third time, one laugh, and now he's you know selling out arenas all over. But yeah. it was that first day, that blackout first day of beauty that like. Gave him the push to be like, well, if I blacked out once, I can black out again. Yeah, of course. Know? Totally. But that also on the flip side is scary because then it's like when it doesn't happen, when it stops. Ha- I don't know. It's just like even well, when you're like, doing really well, man. I mean, we're even now in like Smorgasburg, though, and we'll have weeks that it's just like, oh, shit, like shit is terrible. And you're like, why is it so bad? And then the next week you like fucking smash it. It's like I think the pandemic fucked everything up in terms of like yeah, ability to track just like a business at all. Like. Some Sundays were just like fucked 
And it's like, I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, but it's just like, I think the way people operate their lives are different now. You know, right. people aren't like, I don't know. I don't make any general statements about how, what people are doing. I don't know. I find that no one has a routine anymore. And right. A lot of people are kind of excited about that. There's a freedom in in the chaos that's yeah. happening right oh, now. Oh, I'm living fully in the moment. Yeah. It's sick. And every day is completely different depending yeah. on whatever I want that day. I have no routine and it probably isn't healthy, but that's nah, what I'm doing right cool, now. Nah, man. Yeah, man. We live in LA, man. You don't have to. <laughs> Yo, I don't have kids. I yeah, can, hell you know? yeah. <laughs> I, if I want to sell a hot dog, I'll sell a fucking hot dog. That's if I right. don't, I have to. You have to. Yeah, you they're do. great. They're, they're, fucking... I, as somebody who just performed in Chicago for a week and ate Chicago dogs, your Chicago dog is the best Chicago dog. Thank you. And Straight I don't up. like I don't like to be egotistical, but I think we are the it best Chicago dog. Absolutely is. Okay, so let it let's get into the menu a little bit. You got sure. Chicago dogs. We do Chicago dogs. So now that we're in Smorgasburg every Sunday, we have Chicago dogs, Italian beef, and a fried pork tenderloin sandwich hailing from Indiana, not Iowa. I think okay. they're the same, but I went. And I you can add a little hot honey to that. Pork you can tea? add hot honey. We 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 use Zabs Hot Honey, which is Zabs is a sick company. I don't know if you know them. Mm-hmm. They're like an LA based hot sauce company, and they make hot honey, and it's excellent. Um, but th- that's on that's at Smorgasburg. Everywhere else, we kind of do whatever we want to. We Are you will... still doing fries too? No, I'm not allowed to at Smorgasburg because okay. he curates everything very specifically. There's already a guy who his thing is hand cut fries, mm-hmm. and when they told me I couldn't do hand cut fries, I was like very upset. I mean, your fries point, are like fucking incredible. To the point where I was like, maybe this isn't right for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I had his fries, super frites. And I was like, damn, I never have to make fries again. Like these fries are sick. That's what's up. So I was like, whatever. Like, And it's true. Like his fries are just unstoppable. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about his fries. Sure. I want to talk about your <laughs> sure, fries. Sure. But they're I do make fries. Cut, they're delicious. They're hand cut. They're delicious. We do them. I actually don't do them at all anymore because uh, so are you familiar with Benny Boy Brewing? Mm-mm. It's a new brewery in Lincoln Heights. It's so sick. And not not to like sound like like how did this happen about it, but it's just like from day one, they're wall-to-wall people. Like they are packed. And I feel like other places, like we've we've done breweries in the second month of them being open and there's no one there. It's insane. But they that place pops off every single night. And we went there for a pop-up and we did French fries. And I have a, it's a cart and it's a steam bay. So basically it's like, it's not a big deep fryer. It's not a full size deep fryer. It's a deep fryer that you replace a steam bay with and you put the deep fryer in it. And you can do about one and a half orders of fries a minute. Mm -hmm. Or I mean, one at a time. And we're hand cut. These are hand cut fries. They take about six to seven minutes. We had a lineup of almost 55 orders of French fries on that night. I don't know what 55 times seven is, but it's a lot. We tried to do it in the moment. Like it was like, I I like almost threw up behind the tent. Like it was, <laughs> it was such a fucking bad night. Fry anxiety. That yeah. sounds but awful. That's the best. That's the best night we've ever had. We crushed it that night. Like oh. we've, we literally have never outsold that since then, but I would never ask for that again. It was terrible. My poor, I, I have a guy who helps me, Donnie. He, I felt so bad for him. He had a megaphone. We have a megaphone to try and like, cause it's like sometimes too loud. It was so loud. He had to march through the crowd screaming people's names on the megaphone and it was doing nothing. It was uh, awful. It's so crazy. Stress. Would you say that your pork tenderloin sandwich is better than your Chicago hot dog? They're different. Um, at 
Yeah, that's hot dogs and pork sandwiches, Mike. At, oh, Smorgasburg, yeah. <laughs> at Smorgasburg, we always tell people that like people are like, what should I get? And we're like, the hot dog is a snack. And then the other two are more of like a substantial sandwich. So if you're trying because like Smorgasburg is actually like it, it's like it's so sick to be a part of. I absolutely love it. But it is really difficult to compete because um, everyone has the best of their shit. Everything, everybody has something Instagrammable and delicious, and he curates it really well. So it's all very different. But it's like if you're going there and you want a lobster plate, probably not going to want a hot dog. Like it's just like if you have that thing in your mind that you want, you're probably going to go get it. So I feel like the pork tenderloin is like we're trying to get to the point where like that's the thing that people want. People are coming here for that. What I love about it, and I don't know if this is an Indiana thing or not, is how how big it is compared to the bun. Yeah, like it it it's. Like the bun is gonna be standard size bun, and this tenderloin sandwich is, you know, like way beyond. It's comical. Bun. It's, it's fucking huge. hilarious, and it's very fun to eat. And it used to be bit. It used to be big. Now it's like I'll send you guys a picture of how we do it. Now we'd like probably double the size because really? once we got into Smorgasburg, I stopped doing French fries, which means we lost a uh, basket. So I don't need to use baskets anymore. So we used to like ha- we used to try to contain it inside of like a fryer basket. And it would like get a weird shape, but now we just like pound the f- pound them out to be like this big. It's like the size of a dinner plate. It's like a schnitzel, basically. It right? is. I mean, that's what it is. So the pork the pork sandwich I think was in Indiana because they had such a high uh, percentage of German immigrants mm-hmm. that served. Li- it's a schnitzel sandwich. It literally just is a schnitzel sandwich. But I think instead of breading with whatever they breaded it with, it was breaded with Ritz crackers or saltines because that was like what was around or something. And then it just developed into the Indiana Hoosier pork tenderloin sandwich. But it's a German schnitzel sandwich. That's what it is. It was made by German immigrants. Same with uh, Cincinnati chili. That's something that we do a lot. That's just Greek chili. That's like. um, What's the what's the ingredients in there? So there's uh, it's just a it's a meat chili, no beans, stewed in tomatoes and stuff. And then it's got cinnamon, nutmeg, a whole bar of dark chocolate. What? Um, yeah, and it's like, but that's just Greek chili, but everyone calls it Cincinnati chili. Hmm. And it's like, we'll keep calling it Cincinnati chili because it's Until like, they come for it's you. It's a regional <laughs> thing. No, but I mean, like, it should have been called Greek chili the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't invent it. The right. Greek immigrants brought it. Right. You know? Very it's Greek true. chili. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, it's like, that's the stuff I'm learning, like, while I'm doing this. And it's just like, damn. Like, I don't know. I, uh, I do want to get back to when you yelled at me. Um because you were right when we did friends and family uh-huh. and tested everything. What were you going to say? No, no, now? I'm just looking at you because um, I'm excited to hear what you got yelled uh, at for. <laughs> because we 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 all hopped on the phone mm-hmm. after friends and family, where you gave us most, I think, one of everything that you were thinking about putting on the menu. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think so at that time good. it was casseroles too, right? There were casseroles, casseroles on there, and yeah. the sweet potato one, I think it was, was green bean. Yeah, green bean. those were delicious. Yeah, yeah they're good. And we, it was so exciting because it was like fucking height of lockdown, COVID lockdown. Yeah. Like it was the first time that I had gone out and seen any friend anywhere, and then you supplied us with all of this bounty. And we got to just like have a great time eating it. It felt like the one of the best days of my life. It was damn. That's great. Awesome. That was like the worst of the worst too. The yeah. food's so much better Dude, now. It was oh, no. so, <laughs> like we had so no good. idea what the hell we oh. were doing at that point. I think so we still have pictures from that friends and family taking them in Mary Jane's backyard. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll throw I have, them up for this too. Yeah. Just to I have show. a separate uh, uh, album in my phone that has all of those. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I pitched. Uh, we were talking about price points yeah. for everything because you weren't sure what your oh, margins yeah. were going to be. And then I go, well, why don't, why don't you do um, ketchup? on the side and you go absolutely not uh, for the hot dog for the hot dog yeah. yeah and you put your foot down on the phone i heard your foot go down through the phone <laughs> yeah and it was like damn right dude it's you funny that you bring vision. that up oh there's a no ketchup situation huh? yeah you don't you don't put ketchup on a chicago dog but here's the thing about that 
why you got to be an asshole. Like, if somebody wants it, just do it. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. That's not how Jean-Georges Van Der Richten does it. Okay, so this is the compromise, though. Okay, one day at Smorgasburg, we lost out on like $120 because we sell kid hot dogs, and so many kids wanted a hot dog with ketchup. Well, because they're children. I understand that. That's fine, but we didn't have the ketchup, so they didn't get it. Uh, We lost out on like $120 of hot dogs. uh, So, I okay. Mm. I bought a bulk thing of packets. If somebody wants ketchup, they can have it. You can have as many packets as you want. I'm not going to put it on there. But you I'm better bring it. a child. No, listen. <laughs> if somebody wants to put ketchup on a Chicago dog, it's do I? I think it's fucked up. It is fucked and up. And I think you're stupid. <laughs> like c- certainly. For anyone, but also, like if you want it, like eat it how you want it. For the uninitiated, what is on a Chicago dog? It's an all beef hot dog. It's a pickle spear, tomato slices, raw onion. Green relish that's like super neon, sport peppers, which is like kind of hot. They're kind of like in and out peppers, um, yellow mustard and celery salt, and it's on a poppy seed bun. Oh, it's on my shirt. Fucking delicious. It's delicious. It's Run it through the garden, shit. baby. It's a lot of shit. Get out of here with your ketchup. Yeah, but Literally. like again, if you want it, please ask me. I'll give it to you. And it, you heard it. Every packet costs hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> no, yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. Once we get out of the pandemic times, maybe it won't be. But there's a price of gas, the price. They don't. That's the thing they're not talking about. Ketchup, expensive. It's very expensive. expensive. <laughs> um, I think it's so cool too because, and I, I want to get to what we're doing eventually yeah Yeah, we got to um i also think it's so cool that kind of like the weed community um there's the underground pop-up community where you're like like you're in the know of big things that are either coming out and dropping or you're doing like sick collabs with different people like you really know how to cook now and yeah you have like real vision about how to execute things yeah it's fucking cool dude thank you yeah i mean it's it's cool i like going back to like the improv, like coming home from class and like being like freaked the fuck out because I couldn't make any friends. Like, that's the environment that I surrounded myself in for my entire time out in Los Angeles. And like, I did make friends. We met and like, I made friends, but it's like in the moment, you need like better interactions in the moment. And yeah. it's hard to find those people in the comedy scene, I think. Sure is. But literally, the second I entered the food scene, I had like 50 friends. Like it's fucking insane. That's so hard. And there, there are assholes for sure. Yeah. But like, not like, but you know, not really. Like there are. I don't know. Just everyone is so nice, and everybody wants to like help each other out, and everybody wants to collab because it's fun as fuck. Like what? Like I'm bored. A lot of time I get bored selling my stuff. Like why would I not want to do an Italian beef hot dog, or I mean Italian beef pizza with my friends, or like I met my friend Diego who runs Estrano Pasta, which is like the probably craziest pop-up in Los Angeles. And like he alone, like he's become like my best friend. Like he, I like for sure, like he is my best friend. And like, I would have never met him if he didn't just like, like chili dogs and see (laughs) it on Instagram and like be like open to just going out and meeting someone else who sells something on the street. Like he does, you know, like he, he got, he, He's gotten me into like all of the places where I've learned all of the culinary stuff. I've worked in like prep kitchens with him and just like, yeah, it's just like, it's crazy. Like I've never been a part of something that was so collaborative and so just like open to everybody. And it's so crazy. You would never expect it to be like that because there is a lot of competition because we are all fighting to pop up at the same places 
And a lot of times, you know, especially I'm not a Smashburger place, thank God. But can you imagine being a Smashburger place in L.A.? Not after burgers never say die. One. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm a love hour boy. Don't know him. Uh, there's Smorgasburg. Um, I, but I was a fan of them beforehand. But like, it's just like, and I'm sure that there's beef, and I'm sure that there's a lot of shit if you're one of them. Sure. I know I hear about the barbecue drama, smash burger beef. No, you, the barbecue wars right <laughs> now barbecue are wars. fucking crazy. And my really? friends, some of my friends do barbecue, and they're like not involved, but they know a lot about it because they watch all the people. But I don't really, I follow all these barbecue people. But I don't sabotage? know. What's going Dude, on? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know. I can't even speak to it because I don't really know. All but right. like, I can't wait to hop on Reddit and just yeah. yeah. There's like attitudes and, and people talking wars. shit on Instagram. Uh, you know, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, weird niche industry beefs are like one of my favorite things. Though, yeah, because they're endlessly entertaining. Like weed beef is just wild. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's like a ton of weed beef, oh, and it's just so like at the beef. end of the day, it's like well, like. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we should talk about what we're doing together before we wrap. Yeah, we gotta. Yeah, you know. I forgot about it. <laughs> Not really. I'm so excited. No, Shout out Pacific Stone. Such yeah, a good time for uh, real. So yeah. So um, we've. We haven't locked it in on this recording yet, but um, we are going to possibly be doing a weed and grub comfy pup collab food item. We sure am. No, we sure we 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 are. We're, I don't want to sell any of the comfy pup stuff. I want to do stuff with you guys. I want to come up with something cool. That's so exciting. Because I think a lot of times when people go towards the stonery aspect of the food, it's like so like flaming hot Cheetos, and then we're gonna put Doritos, and then we're gonna put some M and M's in there. Like, but yeah. like I want to like try to make something that's actually delicious and like an actual good. Uh, kind of stonery combo, but not like not lowbrow, not yeah. highbrow either. Which well, is like something delicious. Middlebrow, yeah, middlebrow. Middle <laughs> oh, nice unibrow. Unibrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Um, for everyone listening, it'll have been announced by now, but um, we are doing a really cool comedy show at Club TG. Uh, shout out to Pacific Stone for making all of this happen. And they were like, "What do you want to do?" And we were like, "We would love to collab with Comfy Pup and do a weed and grub Comfy Pup stand up show." Hell yeah! And it's happening at Club TG. And you can go to the event description, or you can go to the show description for this episode. Click the event link and uh get yourself a ticket if you live in la and if you don't live in la i think we're coming to another couple places yeah yeah Yeah. it's a it's a mini tour yeah so shout out to pacific stone too so thank you so much yeah Yeah. for real it's funny that pacific stone is doing this too because it's like i've that's probably the brand i've been smoking the longest in los angeles i think when we all recorded for the first time right yeah that's definitely i would say it's me like i smoked that brand but like that's an eric wilson brand through and through absolutely he always has that pack of like the 20 joints or whatever 10 joints yep always it's oh mike's phone pacific stone i don't know if that's ever happened on pod sorry everyone no it's okay do you need to take that uh no it's from waverly missouri oh hmm. 660-243-9441 were you in a fraternity what's your hometown it's it's, uh yeah they're calling to get money yeah (laughs) alpha kappa lambda yeah um i'm saying that on because it's a spam thing for me to i know yeah for a republican or something always from your hometown yep always it's a fucking nightmare (laughs) Mm -hmm. we need you to make this state even redder yeah it's, right some call like that yeah anyway i don't that's neither here nor nor um anyway yeah pacific stone weed for the people yeah it weed is and grub shout out time machine collab yeah Fucking a. the other cool thing about that too is the location was because of you and your connections in the food industry so yeah. when we went there and we saw like not only how big it was and how great an event we can hold it was also set up for pop-up success. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool thing in LA is how many places have 
thought of, oh, we can bring a food component into our establishment yeah. and like really build community here. And I don't know if that's happening other places, but I'm really happy it's happening here. I hope mm -hmm. it's happening other places, but I don't know if it is. And I think we have a perfect storm for it, right? The weather is always great. Mm -hmm. You can sit outside every single day. You yep. can smoke in a parking lot. You can lot. smoke in a parking lot. Like it's just like, yeah, everywhere is, but you know, some places implemented it better than others. And TG implemented it arguably the best. That back patio did not exist before the pandemic. That was yeah. just wasn't a space. And it was so cool to hear Nico, uh, the owner, talk about how he constructed that table so people I know. could have like COVID safe interactions while sitting at a table together. I know. It's just this like giant platform that it's also sick. doubles as a stage. It's, it's incredible. Sick. It's such a well-run bar. It's such a cool bar. And yeah. I don't know. I, vibes. I've done a lot of fun collabs there. Like, And they're just open to whatever they want like or yep. to whatever anybody wants. They just want to have fun. Which is great. That's what we're and that's for. what we're gonna have. That's what we're gonna do, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are your Instagram handles, and how can everyone fuck with you? Um, uh, so we're on Instagram at comfypup underscore la. That's for comfy pup. Uh, my personal Instagram is Michael Walker with three R's. Um, yeah. Is there I mean, any gold belly in the future or anything? Nah, nah. I don't think I want gold belly. I don't really know what we're gonna do. I don't in need to future. put that pressure on you. <laughs> nah, I think about it all the time. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what I want to do, really? Because we're in Smorgasburg, and I'm really happy rolling there, and I would love to make it a profitable company. And, like, we are a profitable company, but not by much. Um, not to not for me to live on. Um, but what I would love to do is figure out how to get back to my regular life while also having that. Because I want to do food styling, and I want to do all that stuff, and it's great. But right now, I mean, we're, we've been at Smorgasburg for three months. I feel like I'm finally comfortable. Like, I don't, I don't throw up. In the morning on Sundays when I wake up. Yeah, I, I, I'm only interrupting to say smorgas for everyone who doesn't know. Sixty thousand people. I don't know what the numbers are. The foot traffic's crazy. I, it's crazy because it's free. It's the biggest. It's the biggest opportunity we've ever had. Yeah, I mean, we we're used to doing bars for like 120 people, and we sell to like a third of them. You know, and then now this is like. It's like uh, the big times. Yeah. But with that, there's been an insane amount of shit to figure out that we haven't even figured out. You know. Um, but the biggest thing recently is that we're officially a Vienna carrier. So we have Vienna nice. beef. It's all Vienna beef, which was hard because they didn't take us seriously for a year. And then, yeah, now they do. And wow, you're it's just verified. like a whole thing. You're like, yeah, we're verified. verified. Oh, we're yeah. verified. Yeah, we have the sign. The sales rep came to my house. He dropped off a sign and an umbrella. Oh, well, what do I do with the umbrella? Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't have a hot dog. I don't have a picnic table. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I tried to put it in my backyard and Ellen was like, you need to get that out now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keeping like, it real. I was like, sounds good. <laughs> I thought you would be excited. <laughs> like, then that's what's fucked up she's is great. I truly was like, she's going to love this. <laughs> and then she's like, no, sir. No, no. I was like, but I sell the hot dogs. She's like, <laughs> not, nope. Get out. Out of here. I was like, yeah. Uh, oh, the only thing we didn't touch on is um, are you doing milkshakes these days? <laughs> that would be fucking sick. Yeah. I would love to. Okay. I So the original, my I literally started Comfy Pup to be a dairy queen. But. Soft serve ice cream and ice cream in California is a racket. It's insane. Yeah. The, there's like way more laws and everything. The health department came after me. It was like a fucking horrifying time. It's Whoa. one of the items in the regulations around cannabis is that you cannot make no um, infused ice cream. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's extra dairy laws in California. It all needs to be made in a state certified clean room, which is like a fully bacteria free room. And it's kept that way. There's a big one at Italy. I think other places have them, but that's the only way that you can make ice cream legally uh, and package it to go in stores or some shit. But I, in my facility, my production facility, I can make ice cream in hotel pans. So that's what we do. We have ice cream socials every now and then where we'll make uh, Oberweiss in the Midwest. That's like my favorite ice cream in the world. I'm trying to emulate that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we try to do that. Um, but 
a milkshake would be sick. Yeah. I just don't. I like that that ice cream component is so hard to build out at a pop up. Um, that I would love to be able to have like a blender and milk and all that shit to like make. But right now it's just scoop floats is like the best we can do. Oof, a cream soda float? Come on. Well, I'm yeah. excited to develop whatever it is that we all come up with. Oh, we will have some ice cream at ours. Yeah. I know we will have some ice cream. We'll have some sort of float. I want to have some sort of sandwich, like a hot or some sort of easy sandwich, like a hot dog, some sort of offering, like a nacho. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with every ticket, um, you're hooking it up. Yeah, we're going to get something, something good, not something like, you know, like a bag of chips. You'll get like a good item for free. <laughs> but they're all going to be made just for the show. We'll probably never do them again. We'll do them at our shows. But that's why I want it to like be a special item. Nice. Hell so. yeah. Everyone yeah. make sure you come through. Yeah. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Of course. So Thank excited. you guys. And also Thank congrats. You. Congratulations okay. on Thank everything. Thank you so much. Congrats. You too, though. Like when we started, like you look at I know. You're in a fucking studio cool, right? right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's You're so an inspiration, sick. man. Thank you. Real talk. Uh, follow us at Weed and Grub on Instagram. Oh, we have TikTok now. Mike and Mary Jane, and it's going well. So thank you to Top Tree Studios for uh, kicking us in the ass and making that happen. Yep. Uh, so follow us on TikTok, at Mike and Mary Jane. Um, we have two strikes against us, looking for the third. And uh, <laughs> What happens on the third? Do you get booted? Yeah. Uh, no, they verify you and you get a million bot followers. Right <laughs> They're like, yeah, you did it. You're the real bad boy. We're looking Great. for bad boys. Yeah. We don't tell anyone that, but... <laughs> email us at wg at weedandgrub.com leave a great review on uh spotify apple itunes wherever you listen to this podcast check us out on youtube also at weed and grub and uh, watch this video check out uh what michael's face looks like hey <laughs> i forgot my glasses so this is actually isn't what i normally look like i wear bl- uh, glasses <laughs> you heard it here first yeah, yeah. awesome <laughs> bye everyone bye